This is The Plural of You, a podcast about people helping people. I'm Josh Morgan. (laughs) Julius Sweetland is a software developer and programmer from London, England. He's developed an eye-tracking application called OptiKey, which allows people with motor and speech limitations to use computers with their eyes, similar to texting on a smartphone. He spent three and a half years developing OptiKey in honor of his aunt, who died a few years ago due to motor neuron disease, and he's released it for free as an open source project. Apps like these existed before OptiKey, but their use was restricted, either because of costs or because of flawed interfaces. When Julius announced a new version of OptiKey on Reddit.com, it went viral, attracting an outpouring of support from all over the world. I talked with Julius about OptiKey at his home via Skype, and I'll play that conversation in a moment. I also talked with two other people for this episode. One is Annalie Perez, a design student from Santa Clarita, California, and the other is Kevin Lasher, a private care nurse from Houston, Texas. Annalie and Kevin have both said that OptiKey would help them accomplish things that weren't possible for them before. I have next to no experience with the illnesses and conditions that Julius had in mind when he developed OptiKey, so I didn't feel qualified to talk about them. That's why I'm glad Annalie and Kevin agreed to share their stories with me. Julius certainly knows more than I do about the people his app is intended for, but I thought Annalie and Kevin could help me fill in some blanks we may have missed. I'll play my conversation with Julius first, and you'll hear from Annalie and Kevin later. What's interesting to me is I reached out to Annalie and Kevin to supplement Julius' story, but I found myself wanting to talk with them about their own projects. Maybe I'll talk to both of them again in the future. But for now, here's Julius Sweetland, the creator of OptiKey. Hey Josh, how are you? I'm great, how are you? Very well, sorry about the confusion with the uh, time zones. Yeah, I was about to apologize for that too. Like none of the websites I read bothered to mention that you were on summertime. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not the easiest thing to get your head around. So I first learned about you through your posts on Reddit. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you've had a busy few days since you announced version two of OptiKey. What's the experience been like for you? Oh, it's been phenomenal. The The support from people has been, it's just been overwhelming. I've, I've received hundreds of emails, offers to translate OptiKey into every language I can imagine, websites being donated, people donating money. Uh, stories coming through. It's just been phenomenal. Could you explain what OptiKey is and what the purpose is behind it? Sure. So OptiKey is uh, an assistive on-screen keyboard which runs on Windows. It's a keyboard that that you can see on your screen and you can control it using a low-cost eye tracker. So these are now available for sort of $150, even less. There's one on the market for $100 now. And it means that you can sit in front of your computer and you can type as if you're using a real keyboard, but using only your eyes. And you can control your mouse in exactly the same way, using just your eyes. And you can also generate speech. Now, who is this application intended for? Well, when you use it, it's, I find it nice to use, but it's not going to replace a normal keyboard and mouse if you can use those sort of things. So it's really intended for people who have motor and speech limitations. Primarily, I had it in my mind the whole time people with uh, motor neuron disease or ALS. Have you developed applications like this before? No, no, this was, this was my first one. Professionally, I, I write sort of financial software trading platforms and things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is a bit of a departure from that sort of world. So I'm curious about your background. Like, what was your major in college? I did a computer science degree from Bristol. 
So my background has always been in, in IT. After that, I went straight into sort of financial service industry, and, and I did a lot of financial software, which I'm still doing now. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been working for hedge funds, investment banks, and um, that sort of thing. So yeah, that's where I am. So this has been a side project and a complete departure from what I'm used to. So what inspired you to devote three and a half years to this project? Um, it's a difficult question to answer. Oh, I'm sure. So I had a, an aunt who died from motor neuron disease, and that was about four and a bit years ago. Were you close? Yeah, yeah. She's, um, she's my dad's sister. Yeah, we were. And um, Okay. So what was difficult about it, I mean, it was my first encounter with this disease, and until that point, I had no idea it existed. So the tragedy of it is you, you sort of watch someone lose their ability to control their body and communicate with those around them, but it leaves your brain completely intact. So your mind's sort of trapped in this body that's not working for you anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. And th- there, are, there is technology. There's lots of technology out there that helps, but it was a little bit disappointing to see how it worked and, and just how much money these assistive devices cost. After, after she died, I had an idea in the back of my mind for quite a long time that I thought well, something could be made that was better than this and, and something could be made that was cheaper and, and more accessible for people. I mean, I didn't immediately do anything about it. It just sort of stayed in the back of my mind. But over time, I sort of developed the genesis of an idea. And the more I read about it, because I had to start at the beginning, I had to start with zero knowledge of eye tracking and and all of these things. And and the more I read about what was already out there, I don't know, it sort of left me frustrated. I don't want to sort of mudsling in in any way, but some of these products, they cost an absolute arm and a leg. And it's, it's just struck me as being very, very unfair. And that's, that's really what it is. So I started playing. I came up with an idea that I thought had legs. I think the fact that it, was, <laughs> it did strike me as so unfair, what people were having to fork out for these solutions, it, it sort of kept me going. And, and it, it's brought it to the point where I've actually been able to release something. In your experience with these other applications, uh, did the costs seem like they were Fair to recoup what was spent on like research and development. <laughs> You're going to get me sued, Josh, aren't you? No, 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 no. I'm just curious for myself. No, no, no. It's fine. I, I understand that big companies have big costs to develop things like this, and the companies that are out there charging a lot of money for these this sort of software and hardware, they've spent a lot of time making it as good as it is today. And and for that, you've got to sort of step back and applaud them. They've done a great job, and it's allowing people like me and the low-cost hardware manufacturers now to stand on the shoulders of all this research and sort of make it cheaper. And that wouldn't be possible without them. So there's sort of no grudge being held here, but there's a lot of money changing hands. And I think that's true across a lot of sort of pharmaceutical and healthcare. Mm -hmm. Sort of when when you're in, you're in. And if you're out, it's going to cost you a lot of money to get in. That's probably the best possible way you could answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please don't see me anyone. No, no. (laughs) So how would an app like OptiKey help someone like your aunt? Well, if you're in a position where you can't use your hands, you can't speak, you're going to want to communicate. I mean, it's a basic human need, isn't it, to talk to people oh, around you, especially if you're having something so terrifying happen to you at the same time. I'm not saying that my application would have necessarily helped her, but what I've tried to do is make something that it gives you back the freedom to completely control a computer and to talk with people as fast as I could possibly make it work. and. I think what it will hopefully do for people is give them a free alternative. So if you can't put your hand in your pocket and come up with sort of ten, twenty thousand dollars for these systems, try OptiKey. I mean, I'm, I'm 
having a lot of feedback from people saying that it's it's fantastic and it's working really well for them, that it's working better than the systems they paid for, and it's not costing them anything. So the money that they have in the bank, they can use it to improve their quality of life and spend time with their family. So how would an app like OptiKey be different from the other apps in the same market? There's a good degree of overlap with some of the applications I've seen. And there's a lot of other things that the other applications do that mine doesn't do. So it, it's just it sits alongside the ones that are out there. There are some unique features. I think I've solved some problems in some ways that haven't been done before. So one of the things, again, without attracting the wrong sort of uh, interest, is that I use a, a sort of swipe motion with the eyes that allows you to capture whole words and phrases in one go rather than having to peck each letter out, which can be quite a time-consuming process. Mm-hmm. And there's other little things like being able to control the mouse and the keyboard in one little application. That's not done by a lot of the other software that's out there. And how did you test OptiKey? Like who helped you through the process? So for a long time, it was just me. So I would just sit down and go, well, how would I use it? And how do I think someone who couldn't use their arms and couldn't speak would want it to work? So it was a bit of a contrived way of developing OptiKey, I suppose. But that was all I had until it was sort of functional. And at that point, I, I made contact with uh, the Putney Royal Hospital for Neurodisability. And they, they had a look at what I'd done at that point, And they put me in touch with one of their patients who has motor neuron disease and also happened to be an ex-software developer. So he's, he's just been perfect. Oh, great. So are you involved with any groups or organizations that would benefit from OptiKey? Through the hospital, I've been put in touch with the, um, the MNDA here in the UK, which is the Motor Neuron Disease Association. I'm actually demoing OptiKey at an, an event in um, just over a week's time, actually. So hopefully that's going to get a bit of interest from them. But the main thing has been making contacts through, through the Reddit. I've had so many people in, in really senior sort of ALS and MND positions contacting me. And there's some really promising leads coming out of this. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Now, what gave you the idea to post on Reddit? Um, I've been a Reddit lurker for a long time. And it's, it's unique on the internet, I think. It's the only place I've ever been on where people aren't just trying to put each other down and, and sort of troll and be nasty the whole time. And it's, right. got, it's got a really sort of warm community feel to it. I mean, not always. It's, it's still the internet, but, but generally speaking, oh, sure. yeah. And I've had it on my to-do list, posted on Reddit, see if I can get some good feedback from people. And I wasn't expecting very much, to be honest. I just thought, I'll put it in programming, I'll put it in disability, I'll put it in software, and just see if people have some feedback or know some people they can put me in touch with. And it, yeah, it went, it went nuts. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely fantastic. I was up half the night trying to reply to people and just getting overexcited about what people were saying. And the, the video that I recorded, was, I'd only recorded it the night before on mm-hmm. YouTube of me demoing this. It, it had something like 40,000 views that night. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's, oh, sorry, Harry. It's okay. Um, and it's been trundling on ever since. It's, it's been a fantastic response. Yeah, it must be a little surreal to, you know, I guess if you weren't expecting that kind of response and then <laughs> to be inundated like this, I mean, in a good way. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's been absolutely terrific. I, I couldn't have imagined it was going to be that positive at all, but I'm extremely happy and sort of grateful to everyone that it has been. How long has version two been out? Well, version two is brand new. So I released it, I think, maybe the day before I posted on Reddit. Okay. Yeah, it's, um, it's not a particularly professional thing to do. I really should have tested it a bit better because there are a few bugs in there that have come out since. <laughs> I've released another sort of seven small little fixes and bits and bobs like that. So it's getting, it's getting more and more stable as it goes on. Well, I guess the flip side of that is now you have a lot of other people that can help you through the 
the testing process. Yeah. And, and that's been, I mean, that is something that I've wanted from the beginning. Like I knew when I started this, the amount of time I was devoting to it, it's not going to be sustainable forever. I, I do want to stay in touch with this project and I'm going to stay working on it. But I was giving up far too much time <laughs> and my wife has been an absolute saint putting up with me. But yeah, people are coming out of the woodwork and they're forking the project, which is where you copy the code and you start making changes and fixes and taking it down other interesting routes. And it's just been great. It's only been a few days, but have you seen any sort of forks that have caught your eye? Yeah. I mean, I've had some really useful uh, little fixes that people have posted already. So three of those made it into the last release. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen anyone do anything huge with it yet. But like you say, it's been a couple of days and I'm, I'm just excited to see what people come up with. Now, did you know anything about eye tracking functionality before you started? No, zero. I had no idea how this stuff worked. That's what I'm wondering. Like, how did you go about learning this process? With a lot of hit and miss sort of DIY attempts. So I've got a pair of plastic glasses with no lenses in them. And it's got a, a little camera that's been converted from a PlayStation 2, I think it is. And that sits on a rod in front of your eyes and tracks one of your eyes. And that was one of the first attempts that I made. And then I've got a, another one that I built, which is sort of got these homemade LED lamps on the outside and, and, a, and a camera that I had to buy from a sort of science lab supply company and, and all these sort of little experiments as I figured out what I was doing and what was good and what was bad. But it's, it, mm-hmm. it's part of the reason it's taken me so long. I, I'm really not qualified to do this. <laughs> so what other types of applications do you write? Like, I know you said that you write for hedge funds, but I'm wondering how that might translate into OptiKey. The overlap's minimal. Uh, there's a there's a strong technology overlap. Like I use a language called C Sharp, uh, and I, okay. I use that professionally, and I've used that in OptiKey, and a sort of UI technology, which is about how to make things appear on the screen, called WPF, which in retrospect I really shouldn't have used because one of the things people keep asking me is, can I make it work on Macs? Can I make it work on Linux computers? And at the moment, I can't because of that. So <laughs> oh, it's Windows based. <laughs> yeah, it's the only part of this that uh, couldn't be cross platform. So I might need to go back and rethink that. Is there anything that surprised you since you posted this on Reddit? Yeah, I've, I've had some offers from people to sort of collaborate or to provide some sort of financial backing to keep this thing going. I was not expecting that at all. And it's been, it's been phenomenal to, to speak with these people. Just, just the outpouring of positivity from people. I mean, it's such a tiny thing, but the YouTube video is now like 55, 56,000 views. And there's you know, a thousand and five hundred upvotes and like four downvotes. <laughs> four downvotes. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is the internet. That doesn't happen. So right, right. It's just been brilliant. Yeah, I was just, I was happy for you when I was reading through the the few threads that I saw. You know, there were people from like New Zealand and of course the U.S. and just all over the world. It's really exciting. Yeah, and I received a, a really nice email yesterday. Actually, it's from um, it's from a guy who'd read the post on Reddit. And he was sitting in a, in a hospital waiting room and he said in front of him were two guys, sort of older guys, and they were having a conversation. And one of them was saying he was sad because his stepson has ALS and he was getting depressed because he can't communicate very well. Oh. And yeah, and, and this guy overheard the conversation and sort of interjected and said, look, I don't, I don't mean to be rude, but I've heard about this thing and told them what he knew about OptiKey. That sort of knock-on effect, I, I couldn't have anticipated. And it's just... It's just made the whole thing worth it because there were long hours in sort of three, four in the morning when I was just thinking, am I wasting my time? Like, I'm enjoying this, but is this actually going to do anything? Wow. And the feedback's just, oh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what's next? 
again, I know this is early on, but what do you see in the future? Like, do you have any plans to expand on OptiKey or work on similar applications? I don't think I'm thinking beyond OptiKey yet. I don't think it's a finished product. I think there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who would like to see new things and new languages and, and features. And, you know, I'm not ready to give up trying to get them all in there. You know, if OptiKey got to a point where there was enough people helping me, like a little community that was working on this as an open source project, then brilliant. I, I'd have enough time to maybe pick something else up or maybe just spend a bit more time with my son who's sitting on my lap right now. But mm-hmm. no, I think I'm going to press on. I'm going to see how far I can take this and, and what avenues open up. And, you know, some of the more interesting things I've been approached with are PhD students who have got brain computer interfaces they want to try and, and add to uh, OptiKey. So instead of maybe hovering over a key for too long, you just think you want to make a selection and it will make the selection you're looking at at the time. You know, that's, that's going to be fun. So what's required to use OptiKey, like as far as equipment? So OptiKey only r- runs at the moment on Windows. So you need a Windows <coughs> PC. Harry, I know you want to be involved in this interview, but be a good boy. Okay. How old is he? Five months. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's the best sleeper in the world, except about now. And this is all even more impressive to me now, because I know how difficult those first few months can be. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, like I say, he sleeps well at night. So I just stay up and uh, underperform at work the next day. <laughs> Sorry, would you like to ask the question again? Sure, sure. What sort of equipment is required to use OptiKey? So OptiKey runs on uh, Windows PCs and laptops and tablets, and it, it pretty much doesn't need anything special. But to use OptiKey with an eye tracker, you're going to have to meet the minimum requirements of that tracker. So typically, they, they have a sort of screen size that they work with, and they need a sort of modernish processor. Okay. Now, I am curious, why is it so important to you that OptiKey be free and open source? I think the reason I need OptiKey or, or want OptiKey to be free is because the whole motivation behind the project was that these software and the solutions that are out there, they cost too much. The whole motivation was around a sort of a feeling of unfairness about what people had to go through and, and money they had to find to to get back the ability to communicate and just use their computers again. So it, it just never sort of sat right with me that I wanted to profiteer or make any money with it. This thing should be free. And, and as soon as you sort of throw off the shackles of trying to make money from a, a piece of software, open sourcing, it's the, the next logical thing to do because <laughs> you're not competing with anyone. There's, there's no sort of money to protect or competition to throw off. So you may as well just open the doors and, and see if people want to help you. Now, you mentioned cost. For people that are experiencing ALS and MND and conditions like that, what are the other financial costs that have to be dealt with in addition to buying software like this? Well, I'm, I'm not an expert, but you've got wheelchairs and other sort of pieces of hardware you're going to need in your home. A lot of people have to make fairly large changes to the layout of their home to make them wheelchair accessible and to move things, widen doors. You know, These things don't come for cheap. So there's a lot of money. And you've got to remember as well that you're probably not working at this point. So you've got no income anyway. You're surrounded by a family that maybe you were supporting before, and you're watching your money go out the door on things that maybe you don't have to pay for anymore. So, Yeah, it's tough. Is there anything we can do to help you with your work? The, the best thing that anyone could do is to help with the project. If you know anything about programming, if you know anything about testing, come and have a look at the code. Come and break it and fix it and, and extend it and play with it and just help me make it better and get it to more people and that's the other thing. If, if you know anyone who you think might benefit from it or who works with this sort of 
technology now. Tell them about it. Let's get the word out and let's get people playing with it and seeing if it can make a difference to them. Very cool. So how can we follow you and your project online? So I have a a YouTube channel. Um, You can subscribe to that and you'll obviously see um, the updates as I post new videos about what features I've added and and changes I've made. I have a a Twitter account, which is at OptiKey underscore Julius. So far, it's just really to tell people I've got new versions out, I've got new videos out, that sort of thing. Or just check out the GitHub repository, which is where all the code lives. It's on github.com and then search for OptiKey. Okay. Are you happy with how the project's been so far? Like, do you feel satisfied? I'm extremely happy with with how it's been received. Before that, I wasn't so sure. I had no idea if people were going to like it, if it was going to work. But yeah, and I'm extremely gratified. I just, I know I'm not finished. You know, this sort of thing is the beginning. You open a few doors and this is where the work really starts. So this is where I'm going to need some help. Okay. I guess that's all I have. Is there anything you would like to add? No, I don't think so. Just thanks again for giving me a platform to talk about this and to to hopefully get a few more people to to sort of have a look and and maybe start using OptiKey. Okay. Well, that's all I have, Julius. Thank you for your time. That's great. Thank you very much. (laughs) Next is Annalie Perez from Santa Clarita, California. She's a design student who's dealing with a spinal cord injury, and she aspires to design better surroundings for people with conditions like hers. She says that OptiKey can improve her workflow and help her with her studies. So I talked with her about it at her home via Skype. Here's Annalie. Hey, Annalie, how are you doing? Good, and yourself? Good. So how's your day been? It's been a little hectic. I've been trying to finish a bunch of homework that's due at midnight, but everything else Uh-oh. has been good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your major? I just received my AA for interior design, and I'm going for my BA graphic. Oh, good for you. Yeah, thank you. Tell me about yourself. What's your background? I'm just a normal 24-year-old trying to live her life, but uh, the most obvious thing is I have a spinal cord injury, and that's about it. Is there a specific reason why you chose to study graphic design? Well, I've always been artistically inclined to do things. So it's like anything that's that's with design. I started off with architecture. I moved on to interior design and now I'm going for graphic design only because graphic design is something that I can easily do with my injury. Whereas interior and architecture, I would have to go to places where I can't, it's not really wheelchair accessible. Oh, okay. So graphic design kind of gives me an artistic outlet and I can do things easily from home. Are there any special accommodations that you had to make to do design work? There's things that I have to do differently now. So I use something called a dragon, the dictation. Oh, okay. But it's not really that great because I say line and I hear something completely different. But I also use a... It's like a pad. It's called bamboo. It's like a giant mouse. I use Illustrator and Photoshop. It just takes me so long because I can't use my fingers and I have to type everything out using this on-screen keyboard and it takes forever to do that. That's what I was wondering. Like, Do you use shortcut keys in Photoshop to get around? Yeah, I do do that. But still, like, it, like I use so many different programs, and some of them you have to write out what you want the program to do. 
And that's when it takes me so long. It's not just pushing a button. It's actually writing out what you want that specific program to do, like a circle, a line, a, a platform, a plane, things like that. That's the hardest part. That's the thing that takes me the longest. So could you describe your condition and what happened? Sure. I was 20 years old and I was in a car accident because my friend was drinking and I went into the car with him and we crashed into a flatbed truck and it compressed my spine, which then bruised my spinal cord and left me as a quadriplegic. I was originally paralyzed from the neck down, but eventually got movement to my arms and they just didn't return to my fingers. What are some of the major challenges that you faced? Everything. I have to. I had to relearn how to do everything. Now everything is with the help of other people. I mean, absolutely everything is different. I can't dress myself or feed myself. I can feed myself, but I have to have people like help me get food and things like that. So it's just uh, everything's changed. Everything, absolutely everything's different. And I, I'm sure adapting to that emotionally probably took a while. Do you feel like you're in a good place now or a better place at least? Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm in a better place. The good thing I think that helped me through is that I really have a strong support system. Oh, that's good. My family's always been there for me. I have 30 first cousins who care for me as well. So, Wow, that helps. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's a big family. I, I just feel like I, I've never really lacked any emotional support. So I never went through depression or anything like that. Oh, good for you. I was wondering about that. No, it's, they've been keeping me strong. Thank God. Good, good. So how would an app like OptiKey help you as a designer? Have you experimented with these types of apps before? The closest thing that I've experimented with is the Dragon Dictation. But it doesn't always hear me quite well. The thing with OptiKey that I think is going to be beneficial is because I get tired of speaking just because... I was originally paralyzed even with my diaphragm, so I couldn't even talk or breathe on my own. Oh. So there's times where I just, I do get winded and I can't speak. Dragon dictation doesn't always catch all my things, all my words. So OptiKey would help me a lot in my rendering programs. Like a project that would take me an hour to do now takes me four hours just because I have to type every letter individually onto the on-screen keyboard, which is the most annoying part of the whole process. Mm -hmm. So what are you hoping to do from here? Like, what do you see in the future? As far as, like, my career or... I don't know, just in general, like your career or do you have any projects you'd like to try or goals in place that you're pushing for? Well, when my injury happened, I... Because I, I, I was injured while I was in architecture school. So my way of perceiving my surroundings changed. And I saw so many things that I could change as an architect and as a designer. So that 
People with disabilities could be accommodated for their physical needs and aesthetic wants. So one thing that I want to do is um, helping people who are in financial strains, who have just been in an incident, and hopefully creating a nonprofit to renovate their homes to fit their needs and also so that it doesn't look like a hospital. I like, oh, wow. yeah, I like creating a space where it's beautiful, but it fits like your physical needs. You know, it's interesting that your perspective changed. So it affected your design aesthetic. I guess I never considered that. Yeah. I mean, architects always have to keep that in mind. What, what What's going to work for this person or that person? But you really don't know until you're in that situation. Everything changes. You see everything differently. So that's something that I feel like I can take and use towards helping other people. That's great. Is there anything you'd like to say to Julius? I admire him very much because when you're in in the healthcare system and you're fighting for equipment to help you adapt, it's incredibly hard to make other companies understand your situation. So for Julius to create something that's so feasible and that that'll help thousands of people. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And I commend him for all the hard work that he's put into this. And I don't know. I just wish that there was more people like him. Is there anything I haven't asked that you'd like to talk about? Um, no, <laughs> I think I'm pretty much set. I think that's all I have. Alrighty. Thank you for your time. Okay. Good luck, Josh. That was Annalie Perez, a design student from Santa Clarita, California, sharing how OptiKey will help her. Finally, I talked with Kevin Lasher from Houston, Texas. Kevin is a private duty nurse, and he wants to build laptops with apps like OptiKey to distribute to his patients, or anyone who needs them, for free. I talked with Kevin at his apartment in Houston via Skype. I found out that he was in the middle of moving. I think some sounds from an empty room made it through, but that's okay. I was glad to talk with him. Here's Kevin. Hello. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. How's your week been? Pretty good. I'm actually moving tomorrow, so I've been doing a lot oh. of packing. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you moving to? Same place in town, just a little closer to where I work. A little better price apartment. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, it will be. All right. Tell me about yourself. What's your background and what, what do you do? I am a 31-year-old licensed practical nurse. I work mainly in private duty nursing, meaning I work one-on-one with high-needs patients at their homes. I've been doing that for the last five years. I've been a nurse for six. And before that, I was a staff nurse. So I worked all over. Anywhere there was a hospital or a rehab facility or a doctor's office that was missing somebody, I worked for a company that would put me right in and help fill that shift for their immediate needs. Okay. What made you decide to become a nurse? Honestly, when my first daughter, uh, my first child, my daughter was in the womb. I was working as a senior tech support for a large company, and I just felt like one tiny little cog in this massive machine. I really didn't feel good about myself and what I was doing, you know, and I really wanted to uh, just contribute to the world a little better. There's a quote that I always took to heart, which is, be the change you want to see in the world. 
So my girlfriend at the time was going to school to be a nurse, and she asked me, and I said, well, why not? It's something I had never considered before, and I ended up loving it. It's, uh, it's great. What are some of the conditions that you help patients to deal with? My job mainly is to provide them with as normal a life as possible if they did not have the condition, which could be quite challenging, particularly for people with ALS. My specialty has been ALS and quadriplegics um, or people with traumatic brain injuries. Anybody who cannot move for themselves, basically, I take care of. I come in in the mornings, um, I manage and give and administer their medications, I help them a lot with range of motion, which is extremely important, because with ALS what happens is your, your body slowly loses the ability to move your muscles, and it's progressive, and it happens at different rates for different people. So if it happened to you instantly right now, you mentally you would be exactly how you are now, you would just fall over in a slump and wouldn't be able to breathe for yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for some people, um, one patient, it's happened as quickly as nine months from his pinky wasn't really wiggling how he wanted it to, to being completely bed bound with a trach. And I've worked with other patients who it takes years for them and they still can move their limbs a little bit or turn, but they just do not have any control that they normally would. Oh my goodness. I, yeah. I take care of everything for them. You, you essentially become a prisoner in your own body. Not a lot of people seem to understand that. Even some doctors I've come across, they seem to think that they're slowly turning into a vegetable, but they're not. They're fully aware. They can comprehend everything that's going around them. They still have their hopes, their needs, their dreams, their wants, their worries. They just don't have the power to do it for themselves. Man, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's, it, it can be very devastating. And it, it doesn't just affect the person either. It affects their whole family. And it, it ripples throughout. Basically, I try to minimize any of those worries as much as possible and take good care of them. What are some ways that you help people cope with these different challenges? You, you have to take care of both the mental and the physical issues, as well as some relationship things. So uh, in terms of relationship, I uh, just try to explain to family members what's going on. People get very strange. Sometimes they're very awkward or uncomfortable when they see somebody stuck in a nursing bed with, uh, or a hospital bed, rather, with tubes and machines hooked up to them. So I explain to them. I help them learn ways they can talk with each other. There's numerous alternative communication techniques. They're very slow and kind of painstaking involves using your eyes and looking in certain directions to spell things out so I'll act as an interpreter. Mentally, I just try to keep a positive attitude for them, help keep things in perspective for them, and let them know that even though it feels like their life is over, there's no reason for it to be. And you mainly do that by delivering the best care I can and getting them out, getting them out, getting them active. For example, I'm taking care of a 67-year-old woman right now who cannot move a single muscle other than her eyes and mouth a little bit. Physically, not moving is extremely devastating to the body. Mainly, you get a whole host of circulatory issues as well as respiratory issues as well, too. They're very susceptible to pneumonia, stroke, a heart attack becomes a very real threat. And your muscles, if you don't continue to move them, they'll actually slowly seize up and you'll get stuck. Wow. You know, it's interesting to hear you say all that. I guess what I was imagining was that you would help them more with like the physical side, but it sounds like that's only one part of what you do. 
Yeah. Yep. And I mean, when it comes to nurses, you'll, you'll, you hit a whole spectrum, just like any person who's working in an industry. Um, not everybody pays attention to all that, but I, I really strive to try and go above and beyond as I can because, I mean, I, I really care about the people that I take care of. I just want them to have it all, you know, because mm-hmm. I've been blessed and cursed with strong empathy. So I feel for these people. Yeah. Well, that kind of segues into my next question. What do you enjoy about the work that you do? Honestly, I would say the smiles and the appreciation of the family. The woman that I take care of, she has a lot of anxiety. So when I see her... How many patients do you have? I'm sorry. Right now, I only have one full time. Okay. I tend to stay with one patient for a very long time. I've had five total ALS patients that I have worked with from teenager to middle age to elderly. But right now, I work 50 hours a week taking care of, of one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what I enjoy the most is just seeing her smile when she starts to get worried or worked up about something, and I can anticipate her needs. I mean, it's amazing. Even though no other muscles on their face seem to work, just a smile, you just can't stop it. And it's, it's amazing to me. The appreciation of the family, too, because it is really rough for them. Oh, yeah. I want to make sure that they have the best perception of their loved ones as possible because lots of times with these illnesses, when people really, really get into trouble, it becomes a very tremendous burden and it can really scare your family or wear them out or tire them out. And that is their last perception of them before they pass on. But if I can do all that tough work so they can just focus on enjoying being with that loved one or that family member and just trying to have a good time. That's that really makes me feel good. So what was your reaction when you first read about the OptiKey app? Oh man, I was, I was amazed because I have seen some other free versions that people have made and they're, they're really clunky. I've also worked with the professional ones. There's a couple big names out there that cost tens of thousands and it's a tremendous burden on people who are already under a tremendous financial strain because 24-7 nursing care is, I mean, you're looking at upwards of $20,000 per week that they have to pay just to have somebody really? watch them around the clock. Yeah, so once you get an insurance company to pay that, they're very reluctant to pay for anything else beyond what they absolutely have to just seeing such a nice free version out there that I could load up. I mean, I can build my own OptiKey machine that I'm going to bring with me for, I would say, less than $500 as opposed to $13,000 price tag on, on some of the bigger names out there. So how do you think an app like this could help your patients? Oh, man, it can. The biggest thing is it can help them make their needs known. And that's the largest challenge. Not only do you do people have to take the time to learn how to speak to people in these alternative methods, like if, if you didn't have some sort of eye gaze machine, you have to just go through it. It's so slow and it can be unreliable because it relies on eye blinking. And sometimes you just have to blink normally, but people interpret that as meaningful when it's not. It can be very frustrating. My last patient I worked with for two years, I asked him if he could have any one thing back, what it would be. And his answer was actually his voice to be able to make his needs known. I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was very uh, significant. So this machine like this provides entertainment. It provides a means to communicate with ones around you, to say, I love you to loved ones, to 
say, hey, my, my forehead is really itchy. Can you just scratch it for me so you don't have to deal with it? You know, I mean, imagine not even be able to reposition a little bit slightly or wiggle your nose or scratch that scratch that's on your face. This just lets you communicate pretty quickly with somebody to, to get all that. I'm just wondering, where do you think your empathy comes from? Like, why do you have such a strong desire to help? I'd probably have to say from my mother. <laughs> I was a pretty awful young child and a teenager. And I remember one of the biggest things she kept trying to drive home to me is over and over is, you got to think of others. Stop, stop just thinking about yourself. And the truth is, I was very selfish. And as I got older and saw more of the world, everything in life is built around you know, me, 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 what I want, you know, everyone's impatient to go places. Everybody wants the newest, latest and greatest for themselves. It's just a very selfish culture. Just seeing that maybe feel bad for the invisible people of society that you don't even know about. And once I became a nurse and saw them and saw what they go through, just made my heart swell even more. So, I mean, I guess it was just a result of my mother always telling me to think about others. Don't just think about yourself. And having children, of course, too, always helps. Oh, yes. The kind of world you want to have out there for them. There's just nothing quite as amazing as when you're in a terrible situation and somebody holds out their hand and picks you up, dusts you off, and helps you get along. That's that's the kind of world I want to live in. So that's the kind of person I'm going to be. I like that. How many uh, children do you have? Two? Two, yep. I have a seven-year-old daughter and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old son. Okay. They're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything I haven't asked that you'd like to talk about? I guess basically what I would like to do is if anybody who is listening to your podcast currently who has a sick loved one who's maybe in a nursing home, maybe stuck in their house, please go see them. You know, say hello if they're your family or friends. Let, you know, let them know you're thinking about them. Go see them. If things are awkward or uncomfortable due to their conditions, you know, bring an activity to do, like bring some pictures and show them on your phone. Maybe tell them a story about what happened with your family last week or give them some updates. Bring a board game, you know, bring a book to read to them. Just try to put yourself in their place. Imagine you've lived this entire full, rich life, you know, and then you started to get older towards the end of it in your sunset years and... You're just stuck in a nursing home with some healthcare workers that may or may not be paid enough to care about their job. When you're overwhelmed as a healthcare worker, you don't have that ability to connect on a personal level with those around you. So they need you. Your family members, they need you. You know, go, go see grandma or grandpa. Go see your great aunt. You know, just be there with them for a little while. Spend some time with them. Just watch TV or, you know, just be there. Hold their hand, you know. You will make their month, I guarantee it. So That's great advice. That's that's the biggest thing I want people to walk away with. Because too often, when someone in the family gets sick, there will be that one family member who will sh- uh, shoulder that entire burden by themselves where everybody else just kind of says, oh, thank you, and then disappears. And that person can get crushed under the weight of all that responsibility. I mean, you see it. I see it all over. So, I mean, help them out. Yeah, this is exactly why I was hoping we could talk because I wasn't aware of all this. Like, it makes sense now that you say it, but Mm -hmm. I guess I didn't put all the pieces together before. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, I mean, you just, you don't know what you don't know, you know, because I mean, death is something that us as a society, we don't really uh, 
put it out there. Oh, what, how what it really means to get old and die. We kind of hide them away. So nobody knows. But if we can know what it's like, and as long as we just lean on each other, we can make everything a lot better, a lot easier. Thanks for your time, Kevin. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Josh. It was a pleasure. This has been The Plural of You. I'm Josh Morgan, and the show's website is pluralofyou.org. That's all I have for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care.